All right, welcome back to RUF. We have been doing a series this semester on relationships. And tonight we're going to come to the topic of singleness. Some of you maybe are asking, why are we going to look at the topic of singleness? Well, because according to the Bible, I think everyone in this room except for me is single. Uh, Dating doesn't count. The Bible says if you're not married then according to the Bible, you are single in God's eyes. And so therefore, if that's where all of this demographic is, it makes sense for us to talk about singleness. Second reason is that some of you have given some thought to this idea of singleness. And it stresses you out, and it has caused a lot of anxiety in your life, even kept some of you up at night, because you have taken this... And you go down the road and start asking questions. What if I'm single for the rest of my life? What if I never get married? What if I never find that special someone and have a family and have a home and all the things that maybe you've dreamed of since you were uh, really little? Okay? That's a big question. That's an important question, and it's worth us taking the time to see what the Bible says about the question and and the topic of singleness. Third reason, though, it's all around you in the culture. Our culture puts... I think this would help. There we go. Our culture puts a huge emphasis on your relationship status. I mean, think about it. It's amazing. I mentioned Disney, if you were here last week. Definitely true of those movies, but it's not only true of that. You think of any romantic comedy, and it has to do with some of the main characters in a relationship, and they're um, through lots of ups and downs and twists and turns. They fall in love with one another, and the movie typically ends, for the most part, they get married and they live happily ever after. And so it makes sense, as you think about it, um, what is being communicated there is that the central purpose of your life is to find that special someone, fall in love with them, and get married. Okay, that's everywhere. And that presses in on you, and really affects you as you start thinking about your relationships and your relationship status particularly. The problem with that is the Bible never talks that way. The Bible never says the chief end of man is to get married and live happily ever after or to find the love of your life and to have a wedding and live happily ever after. The Bible says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. How do you do that? Through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is the point. Jesus is ultimate. And what that means is that a person who never gets married, according to the Bible... Someone who is single is not a second-class citizen. They're not someone who is lacking in some department or in some way or someone who is considered incomplete. And so because of those three things, we're going to talk about singleness and spend uh, tonight talking about it. And to do that, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Before we do, let me pray. Ask God to help us. 
Father, we come to you tonight, and many of us, it's that time of the semester, and it seems like we've hit a wall, we're exhausted, maybe feeling under the weather, uh, maybe we have lots of tests this week, maybe we're expecting to hear back from grad schools, and Father, we need, we come here tonight to hear um, from you. We come here tonight to be reminded of what is right and true in the world. We come tonight for you to speak words of life into our heart. Lord, would you help us tonight through this passage to believe in your goodness more deeply. May we be encouraged that you're for us and not against us. May we be encouraged that you did not spare your only son. And because of that, you will graciously give us all things. Give us faith to believe that. Help us tonight in the time we have to taste and see that you are good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three points tonight. Imagine that. Um, Singleness is a calling. Singleness is good. And lastly, singleness is a gift. Those are all printed for you on your announcement sheets, and you can follow along with me there. First thing is singleness is a calling. Look at verses 7 through 9. The Apostle Paul says that he wishes that all were as himself. Okay, what's he talking about there? Paul's saying he, Paul was single, and so he's saying that he wishes that all were like him, that all were single. But, he says, he goes on and he says, each has his own gift from God. Now, if you're familiar with the New Testament, or maybe you've read some of other Paul's writings, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament, so chances are you've probably read something by him. At first glance, this is a little confusing. Right? I mean, think about it. The same Apostle Paul that wrote 1 Corinthians is the same Apostle Paul that wrote Ephesians chapter 5. And if you've ever read Ephesians chapter 5, Paul has this incredibly high view of marriage. And he actually says that weddings and marriage is an earthly picture of Jesus' love for his bride, the church. And so what's amazing here is what Paul does. It's absolutely incredible. It's brilliant because Paul, in this passage, does not devalue or tear down marriage. But on the other hand, nor does Paul elevate singleness as if it's some holier-than-thou status. Paul also here refuses to let anyone think less of someone who is single. Paul refuses to let anyone think of a single person as someone who is incomplete or someone who is lacking in some way or someone who is less valuable in the kingdom of God. And Paul, if you notice, he uses these terms like talks about singleness as a gift and and other times he talks about it as a calling. And he essentially says this, God gives people certain relational callings. Why does he give people certain relational callings, either the calling to be single or the calling to be married? married. He does it so that people can live for him 
Whatever their relationship status is, they can live for him whatever their present situation and circumstances are at the moment. In other words, if you are single right now, which all of you are for the most part in this room, God has called you to singleness. And he has called you to take responsibility in his kingdom and to love and serve the people around you as a single person on this campus at Ole Miss. And I don't know about you, but I think that is very, very encouraging and really good news. And the reason why it is good news is because the Christian community, for the most part, the Christian subculture has been one that, and that's where most of us are living, for the most part, there is tons, and some of you have already felt this, there is tons of pressure to get married. Lots of pressure to get married, even to get married young, at a young age. And there's, these lo- there's tons of unspoken assumptions in the Christian community, and though it might not be voiced, there are these comments, and it often feels like single people are second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. Some of you felt that. I think that's a big issue in the Christian community. And here's the way it kind of manifests itself. I have a pastor friend of mine. He's single, 33 years old, ordained minister of the gospel. And he went to preach, to be a guest preacher at a church. And as he was getting ready to get up to preach, the pastor stands up and introduces him. And as he's introducing him, he tells you know, his hometown and where he went to seminary and things that he's interested in. And then at one point, before he finished his introduction, he got this really big smile on his face and he said, and if you didn't know, this guest speaker, he is single. Kind of wink, wink. And, and, and the idea was that we need to help this poor guy out. Because this guy can't find a wife and we need to gather as the Christian community and help him out. Meaning, if you aren't married, here's the underlying assumption, then there is something wrong with you. And Paul basically pushes back against that in this passage and he says, marriage is not the ultimate calling in the world. The ultimate calling, the two greatest commandments in the Bible are not get married and have sex. (laughs) That's the way we often think about them. No, Paul is saying whether you're single or whether you're married, love God and love people in the places that God has placed you. And the question then becomes, and it's it's a question that you've all thought about, But the unfortunate thing, it's a question that I cannot answer for you. And that's the question of, okay, so am I called to be single for the rest of my life? Will I get married? Well, I'm not God, and so I can't answer that question. That's a very terrifying thought for some of you. And it's brought you lots of stress and it makes you very unsettled and it freaks you out. I don't know. Maybe you will be single for the rest of your life. 
And if you don't want to be single for the rest of your life, I pray that that won't happen. But who knows? But what I want you to see here is that the Bible doesn't sit around and ask that question. The Bible doesn't want you to sit around and it doesn't call you to try to discern whether you'll be single for two months, five years, through your 30, 35, 40, 60, or for the rest of your life. Now the Bible comes and says, and that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here, look at your present. Quit worrying about the future and be where you are. Be present. Look at verse 17. I love this verse. Only let each person lead the life the Lord has called him to. Here's what Paul is saying. Are you married? Wonderful. That is your calling. Now go serve God as someone who is married. Are you single? Wonderful. Go serve God as someone who is single because that is your calling. Lauren Winter is an author. Listen to what she says. She says it well. She says, Our task is to discern a call for singleness only for right now. And that is not so difficult. Because if you are single right now, you are called to be single and to live a life, a single life, as robustly, and listen to this, as gospel-conformingly as you possibly can. I love that. You are called to be single and to live a single life as robustly and gospel-conformingly as you possibly can. Let me be clear. This is not saying that your relationship status will never change. This is also not saying that if you deeply, in your heart, want to be married one day, that that is wrong. And that that will never change. That's not what Paul is saying. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying, be content with Jesus today. And with Jesus alone. Be content with where He has you. And when you start thinking about this idea of calling in terms of singleness, calling in the present moment, it really hits head on the lie that lots and lots of you believe. And it's not only the girls that believe this. I talk to guys that believe this same thing, and it's this. If I don't have a ring by spring of my senior year, I'm done. I'm toast. Because once I get out of this place and graduate, there is no hope for me to meet someone else. And that same line of thinking is also what drives many of you to remain in very unhealthy and terrible relationships. Relationships that you know you should get out of. Relationships that your friends think is a complete train wreck and is very destructive, but you refuse to end the relationship and you stay in. Why do you stay in? Two reasons. You're extremely insecure and you're full of fear. You're afraid that if you were to follow Jesus and get out of the relationship, that there would be no one else for you. And you'd be single for the rest of your life. That's what you think. Friends, that is so full of unbelief. And it reveals a lack of trust in God's goodness, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. 
You see, when you see singleness as a calling in the present moment, as we talked about a few weeks ago with, when we talked about godly women, when you view it that way, it allows you to look at your relationship status and to laugh at the future. In other words, it allows you to engage in the moment and to follow God and to serve Him and to trust Him day by day in the particular context that He has you. It totally frees you up versus bringing about paralyzing fear because you know that God is good and He longs to be good to you. Second, and we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Secondly, singleness is good. One of my all-time favorite movies is Christmas Vacation. It's almost that time of year when we can pull that thing out and watch it multiple times. But my wife and I love that movie, and if you remember the scene towards the end, it's kind of what the whole movie's building towards, but Clark Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, is basically thinking that he's going to get the year-end Christmas bonus, and he's going to build the swimming pool for his family to enjoy. So he's waiting and waiting and waiting, and finally the knock on the door comes. You remember this scene? The knock on the door comes, and it's the delivery man, and he gives him this letter, and he's going crazy. This is it! And he opens up the letter, and you remember what it is. It's a one-year subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. He has a complete meltdown and goes completely crazy over this. And the reason why I share that story is because that's often the way you think about singleness. It's not just a year-long subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. Often we think of singleness as a lifelong subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. This is a gift that we want to give back. This is a gift that we do not want. And a lot of people who are single think that they have been given a really crummy gift. That they've been given a really crummy gift, particularly when it comes to those who have the awesome gift, so they think, of marriage. And it feels in that moment very unfair and disappointing. Let me give you a side note. You need to know that there are lots of married people that are in really horrible marriages and they think they've been given a really crummy gift too. And they would give anything to be back to the calling of singleness. But when we think about singleness here and we think it's a really crummy gift, Paul is saying that that is not true. Paul is saying, if you're single, you haven't been given a second-rate crummy gift or calling. That it's actually very good. Now, why would the Apostle Paul talk about it that way in this passage? Why does he say singleness is such a good thing and everybody should be as I? That's what he says. Why does he say that? Well, the text helps us. Look at verse 20, uh, 32 through 35. Verses 32 through 35 Singleness is good because it allows you to serve in the kingdom of God in an unrestrained and unhindered way. Singleness is good because it allows you to serve in an unrestrained way, in a way that married people cannot love and serve in the kingdom of God. 
And Paul here is elevating and saying singleness is extremely valuable in the kingdom of God. I want you to think about this for just a second. Think about your life right now. Think about how much time you have to do whatever it is you want to do. Think about how much freedom you have to be a part of things on this campus and in the world around you. Listen, in a good way, I am amazed at all of the things that you're able to do. I'm amazed when I hear some of your schedules. I'm absolutely amazed. You're a part of multiple Bible studies. You tutor somebody during the week. Some of you are involved in kids club. You have amazing, you're amazing friends. You have great friendships. I see some of you at every coffee shop because you're like me. You're with people all the time. You're, you're with friends in every co- coffee shop in Oxford every day of the week because you love them and because you're entering into them and you're great friends to them. You're president of like three organizations on this campus. <laughs> Notice I haven't even mentioned academics yet. <laughs> And you have time to study, and you're really great students, and you work really hard, and somehow you find time to actually exercise and to take care of yourself. I have no idea how you're able to do all these things. I talked to a student this week, and I said, what are you doing this weekend? And he said, Thursday, I'm going to Tampa, Florida to the Taylor Swift concert. And I'm going to be there till Sunday. This is our last stop on the U.S. tour. And I'm going, and I'm like, that's unreal! <laughs> All the things that you're able to do. And here's my question. Why are you able to do that? Why are you able to do all the things that I just mentioned? One reason. Because you are single. Because you're not married. Think about this. Your schedules that you keep up are impossible to keep up once you're married. I used to live like you. I used to do all those things. Take a road trip at the drop of a hat. And guess what? I can't live that way anymore. Why? Because I have a different calling. Because now I am married. And my calling involves loving and serving my family. My calling involves being home to help my wife put the kids to bed. Doing homework when they get home from school. Picking them up from tennis practice. Getting up and taking them early in the morning to school. Being home for dinner. And listen, let me be clear. I'm not saying... That marriage is bad. No, marriage is wonderful. I got a great marriage. I got a great family. My point is that it is a different calling. And whether you're single or whether you're married, this is what Paul is saying it brings unique sets of challenges. And I want you to get your mind around this and remember this, and some of you won't, but you, I pray that you will, because what happens, and I see it all the time, is you get to be 24, 25, 26, 27, whenever it is that you get married, and you think about your single life and all the things that you were able to do, and then suddenly you get married and you get depressed and you get discouraged because you're not able to be involved in everything in the church and everything in the city or town in which you live. Instead, you're barely making it to one Bible study a week. 
And you're barely making it to corporate worship because you're having to think about your family. And you aren't able to have those amazing deep friendships and have coffees like five times a week in the morning with your friends. And the tendency, and you got to hear me, I see it all of the time, all the time, is then you start feeling less valuable. And you start to feel like you're a lesser Christian. And that for somehow you're doing less ministry than before. Because you see, now your ministry and time involves changing diapers and figuring out how to love your spouse and figuring out how to love your children. And instead of having 20 people you're ministering to, you have like two neighbors that live on either side of you that you're spending time getting to know. You are not a lesser Christian. That is not a lesser calling You just, all that time and energy that you had, that you had all, that you were freed up to give, all of that just simply slows down and comes to a screeching halt. And that is not bad. It's just different. It is a different calling. And Paul is saying, whether you're single or whether you're married, embrace that calling and serve Jesus. Will you see your singleness tonight as a good thing? Again, it's not that you'll be single for the rest of your life, but that's where you are now. Will you see that as a good thing? Or, and will you see it as an opportunity to love and serve the people around you? Or will you pout and whine? Will you pout and whine because you think God's holding out on you? That you think God is not delivering for you. Friends, pouting will paralyze you. And not only will pouting and whining about your relationship status paralyze you, but it turns you in on yourself and you become extremely self-absorbed. Instead of being self-absorbed, Because when you are self-absorbed, what happens is you miss the five people that are right in front of your face, in your sorority, on your hall, that are dying for someone to talk to them and to love them. Dying for someone to share Christ with them. To be a friend to them. Friends, singleness is good. And Paul says, use it as an opportunity to love and serve the people around you. Last thing, singleness is also a gift. If singleness is a gift, okay, think about this, that presupposes what? There's a giver of this gift. Look at verse 7. Singleness is a gift from who? It is a gift from God. And I think this is important for us to close in this way because who God is and his character, and who he says he is in the Bible, has a tremendous impact on how you think about your relationship status. And you've got to bring that to bear on your relationship status. Look at Romans 8, verse 32. You don't have to turn there, but write it down. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also, along with him, listen to this, graciously give us all things? Here's the point. If God is so good that he gave his one and only son Jesus for you, 
There is no good gift that God will withhold from you. How do you know that? How can we be convinced of that true, that that is true? Well, historically, Christianity has said, you want to know about the goodness of God and whether or not God loves you? The demonstration of that fact is to look at the bloodiness of the cross. Because it is proof that He was willing to give His one and only Son on the cross instead of forcing you to die. Instead of forcing you to die the death that you deserved. That's how you know that God's out for your good. That's how you know that God is not holding out on you. And when you put these passages together, here's what we see. God cannot not be good to you. God cannot not be good to you. He cannot not be committed to you. He does not give crummy gifts to His children. He loves His children. Your singleness is good. And some of you, though you might believe that in your head, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the rubber meets the road, we have a hard time believing that, don't we? On Friday night when we're all alone and all of our friends are out on dates. We have a hard time bringing that into our hearts and actually believing it because we think God's holding out and that we and He is wanting to keep us miserable. And oftentimes we, we also, when we think about our singleness, we either think God's trying to make us miserable or maybe we go down this line of thinking and say, no, God is simply testing us. Man, I can't tell, tell you the number of times I've heard that. That is a lie that you are tempted to believe. And it goes like this. You know, and you've thought these things, and I've thought these things. Before I were married, if I can just be satisfied with God alone and be content, then He'll finally bring me that special someone. And, and what, if you think about that, that that's almost looks at singleness as this holding room for the spiritually immature. And then when you cross over this line and this threshold into spiritual contentment, then Jesus is going to reward you with marriage or with a spouse or with someone to love you. And the thought process is that if I give up this one thing that's really near to my heart and that I really love then that's going to make Jesus more fond of me and love me more. Therefore, He will give me exactly what I want. Anybody thought that? Here's the problem with that. It's totally contrary to the Gospel. Because you see, God never gives gifts based on spiritual performance. That's what the Bible calls legalism. It's radically opposed to the gospel of grace because it makes it like a business transaction. I'll do this for you, God. Therefore, I'll put you into my debt and you will owe me. That's not the gospel. It also shows us that it is delusional. The thing that's delusional about this lie is that another thing it presupposes is that God doesn't give good gifts to you and that God is holding out on you. Again, that's not the gospel. Thank goodness that's not the gospel. 
Because the Gospel says, if you are single right now in this moment, God is being good to you. And He cannot possibly be more good to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your relationship status is a gracious gift from God? Friends, He's committed to you. And I know that gets hard to believe. You're like, yes, but it gets hard to believe on Friday night when everyone's at the party and you're not. Listen to this quote. We're going to close with this. Look at it. It's on your announcement sheet. This is an unbelievable quote. Paige Benton Brown was an RUF uh, female staff member for years at Vanderbilt. The whole article is called Singled Out for Good, and it's actually on the internet if you want to read it in its entirety. Some of you have read this. You should totally go and look at it. Listen to this quote. Can God be any less good to me on the average Tuesday morning or insert on Friday night when you're home alone and you're incredibly lonely and disappointed? Can He be any less good to me on the average Tuesday than He was on that monumental Friday afternoon when He hung on the cross in my place? The answer is a resounding no. God will not be less good to me tomorrow either because God cannot be less good to me. His goodness is not the effect of His disposition, but the essence of His person. It's not an attitude, but an attribute. I long to be married. My younger sister got married two months ago. She now has an enduring husband, a beautiful home, a whirlpool bathtub, and all new corningware. Is God being any less good to me than He is to her? The answer is a resounding no. God will not be less good to me because God cannot be less good to me. It is a cosmic impossibility for God to shortchange any of His children. Friends, you, if you are a Christian, have a God who out of pure, unmerited, unearned favor and out of His grace pursues you and cares for you and forgives you and loves you. And the beauty of the Gospel of Jesus Christ is that even when you don't believe that, and that's lots of times, isn't it? I know it is in my life. Even when you don't believe that, the good news of the Gospel is that He doesn't stop caring for you. And He doesn't stop giving you good things and good gifts. Friends, God is really, really good. And my question is, will you respond tonight to His goodness? Will you come to the Lord Jesus? Let's pray.